0: Today is Friday, January 10, 2020. On this day in 1983, New York mobster Roy DeMeo was shot seven times and left dead in the trunk of his own car. The lingering question isn't who wanted DeMeo dead, rather which one of them got there first. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the murder of mafia soldier Roy DeMeo. There are a few wildly conflicting stories about how he was killed. Two different people have claimed credit and the FBI tried to pin it on a third. As we try to uncover the truth, let's go back to Long Island, New York on the morning of January 10th, 1983. Roy DeMeo laid his valuables in the drawer in a neat line. His diamond watch, wallet, wedding ring, pistol. Whatever was coming, arming himself, couldn't stop it. The 42-year-old mobster had been served a subpoena a few weeks ago, just before Christmas. He wasn't sure how much the grand jury knew, but he'd killed upwards of a 100 people in the past 10 years. If they linked him to just one of those murders, he was going away for life. And that was if he lived long enough to testify. He was already on the outs with the family boss, Paul Castellano. No one trusted DeMeo to keep his mouth shut. After the subpoena, the lead detective on the case stopped by to taunt him. They're gonna put you in the trunk of your caddy, Roy. But running now would only seal a death sentence for his family. Today was his older daughter Dion's 19th birthday. For her sake, for all three of his children, he had to stay calm and face his fate like a man. At 9.30 a.m., he put on his leather jacket and left, telling his wife Gladys that he'd be home in time for Dion's birthday party that evening. He just had some business to take care of first. He'd been called to a meeting at his crew's auto shop. When he walked into the garage, he wasn't sure if he'd ever walk out. But he was relieved to see three friendly faces inside. Nino Gaggi, the Gambino family capo who'd sponsored him when he joined the mafia, Joseph Testa and Anthony Center the two most trusted members of his crew. Joseph and Anthony were so inseparable, they were known as the Gemini twins. Maybe this meeting was just a meeting after all. DeMeo took off his jacket, started talking business, and then Nino pulled out a gun. DeMeo barely had time to react before he was shot in the head. He took five bullets and fell to the concrete in a pool of blood. He was already dead beyond any doubt, but for good measure, the Gemini twins shot him once behind each ear. It was a symbolic gesture to whoever found the body. They'd accepted the job and they'd done it right. The betrayal wasn't personal. It was just business. At least, that's the story the FBI put together. Ten years later, another mobster claimed credit for the murder, Lucchese family acting boss, Anthony Casso. Let's go back again to 9.30 a.m. on January 10th, 1983. DiMeo had been called together at his crew member Patty Testa's house. When he arrived, Patty wasn't there but his brother, Joseph, was, along with the other Gemini twin, Anthony Center, DeMeo was offered a cup of coffee. Turning his back, he took off his jacket, sat down, and the Gemini twins opened fire from behind. DeMeo's own crew saw the writing on the wall. They could go down with their leader, or they could take care of the potential rat problem and come work for Anthony Casso. The decision was easy. But that's only if you believe Casso's version. Yet a third person also claimed credit for the hit. Richard Kuklinski, a freelance hitman who claimed he'd worked with DiMeo for years. At 9.30 a.m., DeMeo drove out to meet Koklinski. Big Rich, as everyone called him. Big Rich worked with the Mafia, but he was not in the Mafia. He never even spoke to any mobsters unless they had a job for him. So, at the moment, he was about the only person DeMeo could definitively trust. When they met up, DeMeo was in a panic. He was in trouble. There was a case against him. He'd been called to testify, and that was the least of his worries. DeMeo didn't get to the part where he explained why he was telling him all this. Assessing the situation, Big Rich pulled out a 38 and shot the mobster in the head. That put an end to everyone's problems. Koklinski stuffed the body into the trunk of DeMeo's Cadillac, left it there in the parking lot, and went home. He slept easy that night, knowing that Roy DeMeo would never utter a peep about their connection. We'll take a closer look at these conflicting stories right after this. Now back to the story. From 1973 to 1983, Roy DeMeo ran a mafia killing factory out of the Gemini Lounge in Brooklyn. It's hard to say exactly how many people his crew killed. The FBI puts the estimate at around 100 but it's possible there were at least twice that many. No trace was ever found of most of the victims, thanks to the proprietary Gemini method. The unfortunate Mark would be lured to the club. DeMeo would be waiting inside with a silenced pistol in one hand and a towel in the other. As soon as the target came in, he would shoot them in the head and wrap the towel around the wound to catch the blood. Another crew member would leap out of the shadows and stab them in the heart to stop the blood from pumping. Then the victim would be taken to the bathroom, stripped and strung up in the shower, where the blood was drained and washed down the pipes. Once the veins were empty, the body was laid out on a plastic sheet and dismembered. From there, cleanup and disposal was easy. Most of these hits were at the behest of the Mafia. Some were personal favors for friends or associates. Sometimes they just did it for fun. By 1982, the FBI was investigating the suspicious number of people who went into the Gemini Lounge and never came out. They were also investigating DeMeo's higher-ups in the Gambino family, including the boss, Paul Castellano, Anthony Nino Gaggi, and a host of others who could be in trouble if DeMeo cracked under questioning. Sometime in 1982, the FBI's bugs picked up a conversation between two Gambino family members. Apparently, Paul Castellano had put a contract out on DeMeo, but no one was willing to do the job. John Gotti passed on it, because DeMeo was constantly surrounded by an army of killers. Trying to get near him was a suicide mission. Next, Castellano offered the job to his underboss, Frank DiCicco, but he didn't want anything to do with it either. The only way to get to Roy DeMeo was through his squad of mass murderers. So if you can't beat them, recruit them. Somehow, the task fell to DeMeo's two most trusted accomplices, the Gemini twins, Anthony Center and Joseph Testa. They weren't actual twins, but they were the same age. They'd grown up together, and they'd been committing crimes together for decades. Best of all, they were the only two original members of DeMeo's crew who weren't already dead or in jail. For a while, it was assumed by everyone that the order was passed down through the Gambino family, most likely through Nino Gaggi, who had mentored DiMeo since before he even joined the mafia. But in 1993, Lucchese family underboss Anthony Gaspipe Casso turned informant. He claimed he was the one who took the contract and handed it off to the Gemini twins. Complicating things even further, In 2006, hitman Richard Kuklinski, known as the Iceman, took credit for the murder. Many people assume he was lying through his teeth. For a job like this, the mafia probably wouldn't outsource it to a freelancer. But considering the number of mobsters who were offered the hit and turned it down, it's hard to say for sure. As for the consequences of Roy DeMeo's murder, there weren't many. All his fellow mobsters were already up to their necks in federal investigations. Whacking DeMeo didn't save them, and even if anyone had been convicted for the crime, one more extra murder charge wouldn't have made much of a difference in their sentences. In 1984, the Gemini twins were convicted of a collective 25 murders. That same year, Nino Gaggi was indicted on multiple racketeering and murder charges. Paul Castellano was actually indicted for ordering DiMeo's murder, as well as a laundry list of other crimes. But in December 1985, he was killed in the middle of his trial by a fellow mobster, John Gotti. With Castellano gone, Gotti took over the Gambino family And the band played on. Because in the mafia world, when one killer falls, another rises to take their place. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more about Roy DeMeo, Anthony Casso, and Richard Kuklinski, check out the ParCast original, Kingpins. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Kate Gallagher, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson.